Jesus's way seemed to be different than popular culture. His way, his way had love at his foundation and that just, well, it changed everything. And for the next four podcasts, we want to ask that question. What is the other way? What is Jesus's way? Especially, we want to ask the question, what does love require of me? When it comes to area of personal growth, uh, of learning to love differently and better, uh, learning about the way of humility or the way through conflict. And so we hope that you'll be challenged and encouraged in this four-part series. Hello, my name is Andreas, and I'm the associate pastor here at ECC. We're continuing our series, The Other Way, and today we'll be looking at the way of love. I love love. I I love all types of love. I love food and sports, and I love the love I share with my friends and family and community. And recently, I've even grown to love romantic love. As many of you know, most of my life I've been single, but just over a year ago that all changed as I started dating the person who is now my wife, Hendrika. And over this past year, because I was single for a while, even though I'm still young, I've had many friends ask me, what's one piece of a relationship advice you'd give someone else? And when they ask that question, there's all sorts of things I could share, and I'm no expert. But one thing has really stood out to me. One thing I've really learned this year. One thing that has made my relationship with Hendrika so strong. And that's that both of us learned that real sacrificial love came not by our prior romantic relationships, but by loving our friends, our families, and our neighbors. It's been that consistent self-sacrificial love that both of us have learned from Jesus and applied in our day-to-day over the years that has made our current relationship so strong. That's made all the difference. Now, don't get me wrong. We still have a lot to grow in that area. But we know that if we continue to choose each other's needs over our own, even though we fail at that, when we do that well, our relationship will go well. And so personally, I'm so thankful for my many years of singleness where I learned that. I learned practicing that with my everyday friends and family. And therefore, I just want to take a side note and say to you, if you're single and you're part of our community, we're so thankful you're here. And I want you to know that the love that you practice is just as important and relevant and real as any other romantic love, maybe even more so. And you show us that every day, and you're so welcome to be part of this family. Sadly, every day, real love with our friends, families, and neighbors, the the little things that matter, so often get neglected. I can slip up and neglect doing that with my friends, families, and neighbors. And then I miss out on what real love is. So this morning, I want to explore the idea, where did we get this idea? Where did I get this idea of real love, of self-sacrificial love in the small things? Well, I got it from my friend, my leader, my God, Jesus himself. 2,000 years ago, Jesus changed everything we know about religion when he introduced one concept, love, to be the center, the core, and possibly even replace all the rules 
and rituals that religion used to offer. The, the Jewish religion at the time had all sorts of rules and rituals. In fact, their Torah, their rule book, had 613 different rules. And to be a good Jew, you had to follow all of them. So by the time Jesus came to the scene, and he started becoming popular amongst the poor and the powerless and the outcasts, and crowds started following him, the religious leaders took notice. And so one day, one of the religious leaders asked him, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus answered this way. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like this. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the laws and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, there are two radical things that stand out from this response. First of all, the person was just asking what was the most important commandment. But Jesus says loving God and loving others aren't just the most important commandments. They summarize all the other commandments. All the other commandments, the laws, the prophets hang on these two commandments. They are the basis of all moral decision making. And second of all, what's also odd about his response is that when Jesus was asked what the greatest singular commandment was, he answers with two commandments. And I think by doing so, he's showing us that loving God and loving others are so tightly linked that really they are one commandment. To love God without loving others misses the point. Loving God is expressed by loving those around us. You can't separate those two. They form the singular greatest commandment, the singular basis for moral reasoning and good and right living. And so I think if we're to follow Jesus, the question we need to be asking in every situation is this. What does love require? And maybe you don't use that specific verbiage, but that doesn't matter. The idea is whenever we do anything, the question we ask, what does love require? That is the point. And often we get so stuck on rules or legalism but they kind of get morphed into making them about ourselves and we miss out on love. I'll give you just one example. Sometimes when people make moral decisions, they ask me because I'm a pastor, how far can I go without this becoming a sin? Or how far can I do this without ticking God off? Or is this a sin or is this isn't a sin? But this misses the point completely. When you do that, you're basically saying, how comfortable can I be without taking God off. And you're making following rules all about yourself. What can you get away with? But if the focus isn't about yourself, if it's about loving God and loving others, then that's so much greater. Then you don't ask that question, how far can I go? Or is this a sin or is that not a sin? When you ask the question, what does love require? It changes that. And it makes religion not about rules or rituals. It makes it about love. And that's such good news. It's so good news that I can live my life not by having to figure out the complexity of all the different moral rules, but that I can simply ask the question, what does love require? What does my love for God require? What does my love for others require? That's the foundational question as 
a Jesus follower. And if you're not convinced and you follow Jesus, he says this in all sorts of different ways all the time. I'll give you another example. In Matthew 7, 12, he says this. So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you. For this sums up the law and the prophets. Did you hear that? He says, doesn't, don't just love in some ways or don't just apply the principle of love sometimes in these types of decisions. No, in everything, make that the foundational thing you do. And everything else, all the law and the prophets, and I believe even the New Testament writings are just working out what it means to love God and others. The New Testament writings aren't just a rule book. They're giving concrete examples of what it means to love God and others in these different con contexts. And that's exactly why the Bible is so helpful. It would be arrogant to think that we could define love by ourselves. No, we need our community, our friends, our mentors, our churches to help us. But we also need biblical illustrations and examples to show us what it means to love. They aren't rule books, but they're illustrations of what it means to follow Jesus and what it means to love God and others. Because if we didn't do that, we'd define love by ourselves and that'd be arrogant and it'd miss Jesus. And so Jesus was... Jesus knew that, and that's why he gave us all sorts of teachings and examples of what it meant to love. And the passage, I want to kind of go to one of those examples this morning. The example I want to touch on this morning is found in Matthew 5. And this passage is meant to shock a little bit. I'm not going to go into detail, but I want to show this as an illustration of what it means to love in practical ways. And what we'll find by this passage is that love is less complicated, but it's much more demanding. When we ask the question, what does love require? It's much less complicated, but much more demanding. Let's take a look at this passage. In Matthew 5, 23 to 24, Jesus says this, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First, Go and be reconciled to them, and then come and offer your gift. Let's pause there. This is an incredibly demanding passage. And to see how demanding this is, I want you to put yourselves in the shoe of a first-century Jew at the time. As a first-century Jew, you'd only go to the temple two or three times a year for different important festivals. And if you were from Galilee, where Jesus was probably preaching from, it may have even taken a two- to three-day journey to go to that temple. And so when you hear these words, you may have spent a lot of time planning this long trip to the temple. And you've done that because for you, your relationship with God is of utmost importance. But then this teacher, Jesus, says before you go on that trip you've planned, he wants you to go make things right with others. He wants you to do that first. And he wants you to do it no matter where the blame is at first. And so you made yourself, whoa, hold on a second here. You want me to forgo my long travel plans to the temple and possibly even miss out on that important God event to make things right with others? Yeah, that's what Jesus is saying. Jesus is asking us to be impractical in our pursuit of love. He's asking us to be impractical in pursuit of love. Now, I want to be clear. There may be times when love requires for you to pray for that person first. 
before confronting them. Or other times when involving others may be helpful. And Jesus says both these things in different situations in teachings. And we won't get into all the details of how this specific passage works, but I wanted to use it as an illustration of what love may require of someone. And what we learn here as I already said, is that the Jesus model of love is far less complicated, but much more demanding. We don't just learn that, but we learn that love requires us to take the first step. But, but what, if, what if the other person is wrong in this scenario? Good question. But Jesus doesn't address who's right or wrong. He just says, if there's someone who's got something against you, love requires you to do all you can to make it right. And making it right doesn't mean agreeing with them or giving in to all the requests, but it does mean seeing their perspective, spending time with them, trying to understand them, and apologizing where we are at fault. Because all of us are at fault in some ways. What does love require? It requires us to take the first step, even when it seems demanding. What I love about Jesus is he didn't just say, do what love requires and take that first step. He actually did that himself. Jesus loves us so much that he took the first step of becoming a human, living with us and dying for us, even though he did nothing wrong. Jesus took the first step and suffered for it, even though he did nothing wrong. That's what love required of him. So what does love require of you? I want to end with one final command of Jesus. It's found in John 13, 34 to 35, near the end of Jesus' life. And Jesus says this, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. When reading this, I used to always wonder, why does Jesus say a new command I give you? This is at the very end of his life. And didn't Jesus already teach his followers that loving God is, and others is what summarizes morality? Then what, what is new here? It's new here because Jesus isn't just asking us to love others in the way we understand what love is. No, he's asking us to love others in the way he has loved us. And this brings it all together. Our own metric of love is flawed. We can't just be asking what does love require from our perspective, but what does love require from God's perspective? And what is God's perspective of love? What did God do when he asked the question, what does love require? John 3.16 says it perfectly. God so loved the world that he gave his only son to die for us. God took the first step. He became a human being to be with us, to love us, to die for us, so that the division between us and him would be vanquished. And he did that while we were in the wrong, while we were still sinners. God wasn't in the wrong. We are. We're the ones who have something against God, and he decided to leave everything behind, to humble himself and become a servant, and do anything he could to make things right with us, including giving his own life for us on the cross. That's what love required of God. And that ties it all back into the practical application of today. We may say, it's not fair that I have to love people and always have to do what love requires. 
because sometimes I'm right and they have to love me instead. Well, friends, God is the one who is right in our broken relationship with him. And he took the first step to leave his throne to meet us and make things right with us. And so if he can do that for us, then may we have that attitudes towards one another. So as you go from here, may I ask you to seriously consider the question, what does love require? And consider it not just in some situations, but consider it as the foundational question of any moral decision, not just when it's convenient, but any moral decision. And don't just take that question from your perspective. Take a look at it from Jesus' perspective. We so often define love by our own ways and metrics. And by doing so, we don't love people. We do it to serve ourselves. But Jesus calls us to love each other the way he loved us. And so go, take a look at Jesus. Remember how he loved you in your life. And take a look at his life and teachings and see how much he loved. And with that love, ask yourself the question, what does love require of me to this person, this neighbor, this friend, this family member? Ask yourself the question, what does love truly require in this time, in this season, in this world? And then I believe we'll be following Jesus well. This is a hard journey, but it's a good journey. In fact, it's the greatest journey. But because it's hard, let me pray for us today. God, I fall so short of loving you, of loving my neighbor. I fall so short of what it means to follow you well. But God, I have tasted of the fruit of what it means to love you and others. And I've tasted that to be better than anything else. And so I pray for anyone watching this that they may be inspired that may even more, they may be touched by your spirit to set themselves up to love others and love you in new and fresh ways. May you be transforming hearts and minds to be people who love. In this season of COVID, in this season of being close with our family and friends, or being far and distant from our family and friends, let us ask the question, what does love require? And God, we need your help for that. So help us, God. Help us. Help us, help us, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen.